are listening to Heart of the Ark podcast from the Office for Evangelization in the Archdiocese of Newark. We're coming to you to bring knowledge and some courage as we voyage through this life as missionary disciples of our Lord Jesus Christ. My name is Jennifer Benke, and I'm co-hosting this podcast with my friend and colleague, Father John Gordon. Hello and welcome to the Heart of the Ark podcast. My name is Jennifer Benke, and I'm here with Father John Gordon, the Secretary of Evangelization for the Archdiocese of Newark. How are you doing, Father? I'm great today, Jen. And yourself, it's good to see you. It's good to be here. <laughs> we see each other all the time. That's true. <laughs> now we're in this kind of uh, uh, recording studio moment, and it's just like, oh, we're very aware that others might be listening to us. Hopefully, others are listening to us. <laughs> Apparently, they are all over the world, Praise actually. God, that's wonderful. Yeah. May this be a great service. Amen. Amen. So I thought today, as we're in the middle of Lent, we're kind of stuck right here in smack dab in the middle of Lent, and it is a t- time when we spend a lot of time thinking about the cross and we go to these devotions of stations of the cross and we think about the ways in which uh, our salvation was wrought by the cross. And I thought that how, how do we think about suffering of the cross and come up with our worldview of hope? Those two things don't seem to really be congruous. So I kind of wanted to have a discussion about hope today. That would be great because I want to concur with you that we are not hopeless about hope. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we are hope-filled about hope because it's not like we hope like we hope we win the lottery. The hope that we're talking about is a, a virtue that's based on a sure thing. Right. Right. So before we begin, if, if you'll indulge me, I'll lead us in a prayer for Please hope. Do. Um, so, loving Father, the Bible tells us, do not worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything from Philippians. So today I come to you in prayer. I turn to you knowing your power is infinitely stronger than my worries, my doubts, my struggles. Today and all days, Father, may I remember your promise. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Yeah. So to remember his promise, that's a great um, almost starting point, it seems to me, uh, because he has spoken to us about the things that we hope in. What we hope in is his word and the promises that he's made. And so we stand on that. Yes. We think about uh, the approaching season of the Passion and the music minister in me is, is looking at all of these songs and these poems and these great uh, writings from the saints and from theologians and doctors of the church all through, we get these words like, we should glory in the cross. Mm. That's that's the introit for Holy Thursday. We should glory in the cross. And when we think about a cross, uh, the, uh, obviously we think about a torture device. Just doesn't go with the idea of hope. It's it's like we should glory in a, a, a torture or a, or a method of death. <laughs> If we were to see the cross as the end of something, right. the end of life, for example, that would be exactly the right response. And that's why for many people, death is a hopeless reality because it's, there's no horizon beyond it. But the other way of seeing it, the cross is like a crossover or something that crosses between one 
dimension, as it were, and another. And for us as, as people of faith, the truth of the matter is, it's true for all people, but what we know as people of faith, is there's a life beyond this life. And that is what hope is ordered to. If our hope is for this life only, the Word of God tells us, then we are of all people the most to be pitied. And so if there is nothing beyond the grave, then glorying in the cross is ridiculous. Right. Uh, but if there is a life beyond the grave, and if this life is to prepare us for that, as well as to orient us toward that, it means that I cannot find my ultimate pleasure and ultimate meaning and ultimate joy in this life alone, in an ultimate fashion, but rather that I am ordered towards something that says I'm looking for something even better. Fulton Sheen used to say, in the end, there's ultimately two philosophies of life. First, the fast and then the feast, or first the feast and then the hangover. (laughs) (laughs) And that's why we fast, because we look forward to a feast. And not just Easter, but the the life afterwards. At least that's how I think about hope. Yes. I I think so, too. I I mean, there's there's obvious times when uh, it... It, it's, it is what it is to be faithful, is to have that, carry that hope even when things are tough. That's right. Even that, that's like the definition of my faith for me, is, is when all else seems to say this is, this is not a good situation, that the hope that we carry within us is really important to pull us through those times of, of what otherwise would be really despair. I forget who said it, but some great thinker of, of person of letters said, I don't need a faith that's going to help me through the good times. Right. I need the faith that's going to help me through the hard times. Yeah. And that's the unique aspect of Christian faith because it's centered on the person of Jesus Christ who did suffer and die for us as opposed to a God who does not reveal himself to us and who we're reaching for and therefore has to be perfect in such a way that he suffers not at all. That God of God is so far removed because that's one thing all humanity has in common. Everybody suffers. Right. Every Some people only suffer tragically because of horrible uh, circumstances in their lives or oppression or poverty and the like. And we're not, we're not applauding that, but everybody suffers. I was talking to somebody recently and they were talking about um, praying for somebody who uh, was having knee surgery. They said, oh, it's no big deal. I said, oh, oh I, I beg to differ. I said, you know what minor surgery is? Surgery that's happening to somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> For the person having the knee replacement, that's a big deal, yeah. you know. Um, but there are other tremendous sufferings, and everybody suffers until everybody can find hope in in the God-Man Jesus, who so entered into our humanity that he took on these desperate realities, the desperation of betrayal, of death, of, of, of abandonment seemingly by the Father. Father, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? And yet he enters into that and absorbs that into himself. The Word of God says, he who knew no sin became sin for us, took it on himself. And so uh, the letter to the Hebrews says, he put death to death. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and it really is. 
It really is. There's from Romans. It says, for in hope we were saved. Now hope that sees for itself is not hope. For who hopes for what one sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait with endurance. Exactly right. Yeah. You know, and, and the other thing about that kind of hope is there's a prophetic dimension to that. And when we were baptized, we're baptized into Christ as priest, prophet, and king. And one of the things that I think is very wonderful about a prophetic mindset or a prophetic gift is that the prophet sees something that the evidence does not support, whether that prophet is Isaiah or Jeremiah or Ezekiel or Jennifer Banky or Father John Gordon. You know, <laughs> the prophets see something the evidence does not support. So the evidence is, is sickness and death or abandonment or betrayal or loss of one type of another. And dear listeners, I know that there's so many kinds of loss, so much kind of pain. And I know that as as tragic and challenging as physical pain is, it's nothing compared to the emotional and spiritual and psychological pain that so many people endure in terms of within their family and whatever. So very, very, being very fully aware of that, um, we recognize that even though there is this pain, we see something beyond it. And we see a, a, a God who has so entered into my pain that I am not alone in that pain. And while I might never be relieved of that pain in this life, my hope is not in this life. And I remember the first time I kind of discovered that about hope, that it was not about the, the theological virtue of hope is not about this life. It's ordered towards heaven. It's ordered towards eternity. And that is a, a very dynamic way of thinking. And that's a, a Christian way of thinking. And our world, our worldview doesn't support that as it once did. Right. At once, at one time, there was a time when people thought about the world beyond. And so you could talk about life after death. But now you can't even talk about that in most polite company because they don't know what you're talking about or they imagine it just as some kind of utopian, like, you know, whatever it might be, and not as a real uh, a, a grace that comes from the cross. Right. But this is reality. This is reality. You know, and that leads me into the idea from uh, Pope Benedict that he wrote, um, the one who has hope lives differently. The one who hopes has been granted the gift of a new life. That's from his Space Salvi in 2007. That's right. That's right. You know, he is our hope of salvation. And the one who has hope, we do live differently. Yeah. And that's the, there is this growing awareness of a break between the culture and the gospel. Mm -hmm. um, it's a break that has occurred for a long time, but we're beginning more and more to realize it and to be able to articulate it and to start making pastoral plans based on that and not presuming that the culture can somehow help support or help carry or at least not be vigorously opposed. But there's a break between the culture and the gospel. And that's why Pope St. John Paul II spoke of a culture of life versus a culture of death, um, a culture of hope versus a culture of hopelessness, a culture of faith versus a culture of anxiety mm -hmm. and despair. And so we want to be that kind of voice of hope. And it's not just for the believers or the Christians. Um, but one needs to enter into the grace of Jesus Christ to access this hope because it's found in him alone. In terms of what you just said, that there's ways in which we need to cultivate this, this hope yes. in our lives before we get to Pope Francis. Um, one is that we 
we have to recognize that hope is God's gift to us. And uh, because it is a virtue, though, it is a gift that has to be cultivated and nurtured and practiced, lest it's going to shrivel up and die. And that culture outside of the world, that worldview that is not the Christian worldview, is really not oriented towards the type of hope that we have. And that's why you're absolutely right. And that's why we need brothers and sisters in the Lord. You know, we need people with whom we can break the bread of hope, as it were, Mm -hmm. uh, with whom we can enter into a communion uh, of, of, of shared hope. And so, um, and and for some people, even just a casual connection in that regard, it would be sufficient. But for many of us, that is not sufficient. We're looking for something more complete, whether it be uh, in our parish or in a smaller grouping within the parish, my Bible study or my faith sharing group or other kinds of the various movements have these environments in which we kind of foster an attitude. Because once I am supported in that worldview of hope, I can then... And I can then reach out to the wider culture that doesn't support that and begin to hopefully be like leaven in the dough. But it's very hard, if not impossible, to do that all by myself. I need somebody else sharing this vision of hope that I can touch base with in a regular way to strengthen me, support me, encourage me, build me up when I feel like I failed, and then go back out, as it were, and just be that leaven of hope, talking positively, not criticizing, looking for the good, turning the other cheek, all the things that we hear during Lent in this relentless pursuit of perfect perfection, this relentless pursuit of holiness, this relentless pursuit of, of growing in perfection, which quite frankly is exhausting and quite frankly impossible. Mm-hmm. And for the next, uh, for the about first four weeks, four and a half weeks of Lent, that's what we hear. And then Lent takes a turn and the daily mass readings are always from, the gospel is always from John, which represents the person of Jesus. This relentless call to perfection cannot be realized except in Jesus because he is our hope. We have to go to communion and we have to go to Jesus. And then so therefore we have to go to the Eucharist to sustain our baptismal promise, that priest, prophet, and king only through our our communion in him and with others through him that we really are sustained for this road, for this path and journey of, of, of hope. And in terms of evangelization, therefore, we're not just talking about sharing the gospel with individuals that they might believe, but we're also about creating and cultivating those kinds of communities, those kinds of environments in which the gospel can be heard and then responded to. Because if we speak to people, uh, good-intentioned people who have no contact with the faith community at all and try to present the gospel to them, it becomes outlandish uh, or impossible or just mythic. And that's how most people see it as just mythic. Oh, he's a good teacher, or that's a nice idea for you. But if they only when they encounter the gospel as a lived reality does become something. And that's why evangelization isn't just the task of individuals, but the task of the whole faith community to be consciously aware of how do we live in such a way that not only are we growing in hope, but there's some access to this for others to grow in hope. Yeah. That, and that brings us, again, in terms of the ways in which we evangelize the, those conversations and those conversions in uh, intentional ways, but also focusing on where is God right now in our lives, right? Where, And, and a gratitude for that recognition and that, again, gratitude, thanksgiving, we bring back to the Eucharist, right? That we're 
we're coming together and we're recognizing that God is in this with us yes. in every in every moment, in every instance, in every cross and in every triumph. And so it seems to me as if one of the things that we're looking for in terms of evangelization, uh, especially from the Catholic perspective, is that we are about helping people see a different reality, think differently, therefore, about reality, and and, and find a way to live it out. This is why, for example, you know, when we speak of evangelization and for Catholics, they find it as a stumbling block because they think of street corner preachers or televangelists on television. And, and in one sense, I, I, I agree, though, that's not the kind of evangelization we're talking about because that's just kind of dropping a, a word bomb out there, you right. know, and that's... I get it. I'm not suggesting that that is uh, not helpful, but I don't think it's sufficient in itself. And so what we want to drop is a community bomb, as it were, a faith bomb uh, that is the Word, but the Word made flesh, and the Word isn't fleshed in us and our brothers and sisters, and that is so significant. It's one of the reasons why, for example, um, as even as we do this podcast together, uh, Heart of the Ark, from the Office for Evangelization, that the Office for Evangelization doesn't try to do direct evangelization because we're not a faith community. We're right. an office. <laughs> you know, parishes, schools, movements, there's all sorts of uh, variety of uh, expressions of faith communities, but an office in the diocesan center isn't one of them. Uh, and yet we want to empower people uh, both because your whole family is a community of faith. It doesn't have to be anything beyond your family, beyond your home, becomes an evangelization center where you can just live this word of hope. Believe you me, if you live as a family of love, if you live as a family of the gospel, if you live as a family of hope, when your kids, friends come to visit, have dinner with you, they're going to be wowed by the fact that you guys live differently than we do in our family. And it will be remarkable, remarkable. Yeah. That is something that I have experienced with my own family when when my kids invite friends over and you know even if it's just for cookie making or or and and turkey chili, you know, that uh the comment that comes back is like your family's cool, very different, but cool. And it's it's just a, a different way of living that kind of uh focuses we have different priorities. We focus on different things. What you just said though is what Pope Francis said yesterday. So he so got my memo. He got your memo, and he's been reading it <laughs> at his audience. So yesterday, uh, he's, uh, he said, all the baptized, says Evangelii Gaudium, whatever their position in the church or their level of instruction in the faith are agents of evangelization. And it says, are you Christian? Yes, I have received baptism. And do you evangelize? But what does this mean? If you do not evangelize, if you do not bear witness, if you do not give that witness of the baptism you have received of the faith that the Lord gave you, you are not a good Christian. By virtue of baptism received and the consequent incorporation of the church, every baptized person participates in the mission of the church and in this, the mission of Christ the King, priest, and prophet. See, he's listening to us, our podcast. No, actually. God bless you, Pope Francis. <laughs> but you know, one of the things that says is, so the season of Lent is a season for me 
to enter more profoundly and deeply into the mystery of my baptism, because Lent is a preparation for the renewal of that baptism at Easter, so that all that the Holy Father just mentioned becomes new and alive in me, that I'm rekindled in the, 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 the mission that I have received by virtue of baptism, and so that I go forth from uh, baptism, I go forth from that expression of it um, with a, a new kind of power, and of course that's Pentecost. And so, and, and just preceding Pentecost is, is the Great Commission. Yeah. You know, Holy Thursday, the Ascension, you know, go into all nations, teach them everything I've taught you, baptize in the name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit, and I am with you at always, even to the end of the age. And and that kind of, 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 of truth, that kind of promise that we stand on, that's our hope. And even if it's difficult and hard, what life isn't, but I am so grateful for the gift of faith. How many times have we been in situations where people are suffering an agonizing loss, the loss of a child perhaps, or devastation of the family, and we find ourselves saying, how can people do this without without faith? Because faith, hope, and love, in the end, only these things last. And so without hope doesn't exist by itself because we're talking about hope in Jesus Christ, which demands faith. And we're talking about a Christian community that embodies that, which is called love. And so this is all of a piece uh, together. And, and that's very, very exciting. And I think that when you consider that I can be this instrument, I can be this signpost of faith, hope, and love right where I am in the midst of my own work environment, in the midst of my own family, I can create some environment, strengthen some environment, supports of environment that says here the gospel is lived yeah. wow yeah that's really yeah. it's it, you know what what you said about the prophets what the prophets have said about uh, hope you know uh, you, isaiah gives us even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall but those who hope in the lord will renew their strength that's right. and and we are renewed in, the, in our hope in these ways in, in community, but also built up by the sharing of this hope that renews us as well. And yet there are enemies of hope. You know, let's be clear, because this is so central to the message of the gospel, there is an enemy out there who's sowing seeds of hopelessness. And not only are they sowing those seeds of hopelessness in the wider culture out there, but they sow these seeds of hopelessness sometimes within the faith community. And so when we treat each other poorly, when we hold on to grudges and not forgive, when when there's antagonism and lack of support, these things hurt so, so very much. And so um, the faith community becomes a place where a battle is being fought so that we can hold on to the truth. Now, the battle has been won decisively by Jesus Christ, thanks be to God, but we need to be attentive to the fact that how am I building up this faith committee that I'm called to be part of as opposed to tearing it down. Um, and so therefore, uh, to recognize that, dear friends, and so to not give up when you feel frustrated or you feel like no one hears you or understands you or you feel like uh, this is the anti-gospel <laughs> or whatever it might be, the truth of the matter is that God is victorious and that through every circumstance in which we find ourselves, God's will is being done in 
such a way that it comes out even stronger. So hold on to the truth, hold on to our faith, hold on to what God has promised, and that way the the enemy of hope, which is the devil, uh, will will lose. Will will lose for us already definitively lost, but we want to kind of banish it from our midst. Yeah. That's so important, too, that we act as these agents of faith, hope, and love in the world. And in that way, we can overcome the effects of the devil. Absolutely. I mean, that. going back to Pope Benedict, he said, all serious and upright human conduct is hope in action. Isn't that great? Yeah. That we're, we're actively pursuing hope in the world in and engaging in that fight against the hopelessness. So when I forgive, right. when I take the high road, not the low road, when I speak positively, when I turn the other cheek and go the extra mile, I am a messenger of hope. I am an a, 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 a instrument of that hope. And uh, even if nobody else sees it, hope is being strengthened in me. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a cause for hope and joy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I just want to say uh, one sure. last thing, if I may, to, to our listeners, um, that as we have this conversation, uh, let me be honest, you know, uh, Jennifer and I, we have a brief conversation and meeting ahead of time about the overall topic, and we kind of throw out a few ways in which you want to address it, but we don't do this as a dress rehearsal. <laughs> and, and I say that because I just have found myself renewed in hope by our conversation uh, in a way that wasn't in the script. Right. <laughs> and, and I want to encourage us, dear listeners. Wait, to, script? You get a script? Yeah. I don't have a script. <laughs> uh, you didn't see the script? No, there's no script. Oh, I guess I sent that memo to the Pope, too. <laughs> okay, to you. you must have been listening. <laughs> but, uh, but the truth of the matter is, <laughs> pray for me, people. Pray for me. <laughs> The truth of the matter is that um, we can do this in our own homes just to begin the conversation about hope. You know, the Word of God says in 1 Peter 3.15, always be ready to give a reason for the hope that is within you. Just as I talk about that, and maybe the maybe whatever day you're listening to this, you can find somebody to have a conversation about why you are people who hope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I shared with you recently that a friend of mine and I were having a conversation and she's helping someone else through it with a difficult health uh, person. And she said, I, I forgive my speech, but I said, acknowledge the suck. You are in the middle of a really bad time right now. So acknowledge it, but don't stay there. Mm-hmm. Embrace hope. Just hold on to hope. Mm-hmm. This is not the plan. Mm-hmm. This is just a, a detour on the path. So just... Yeah. Yes, but, and, and those are just ways that we can have these conversations in the, in the wider world. I wouldn't even say it's a detour on the path. That is the path that has to be embraced for hope to come to that person's life. Absolutely. Absolutely. See, Father and I are having a conversation and it's giving me more hope. Well. <laughs> you have a prayer for us? I do have a, another short prayer for us. Heavenly Father. Please be with us today. Our hearts hurt. We feel overwhelmed and it's difficult for us to see the joy that only you provide. Still, we trust in you and we place all our problems in your hands. We pray that you can open our eyes to the ways in which your love is embracing us. Amen. 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 God bless you, dear listeners. Well, thank you for listening to Heart of the Ark. Amen. Thanks, Father. 
Heart of the Ark podcast is an initiative by the Office for Evangelization at the Archdiocese of Newark. If you want to find us online, you can find us at rcan.org slash evangelization. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. Very soon we'll be updating our social media for the Heart of the Ark, but you can find us on Fireside Podcasts at heartofthearc.fireside.fm. Our theme song is composed by and orchestrated by Eric Hunter, a dear friend of mine. You can find out more about Eric and his performances and compositions at Eric, E-R-I-C, Hunter, H-U-N-T-E-R, music.com. This has been a pleasure, and I look forward to hearing from you and speaking with you in the future.